welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet, and I'm here with Rachel Madel. Rachel, Happy New Year. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, this is our first episode back into the new year, 2022. Here we come. We've got lots of lofty goals for the for the podcast. Um, but there's a way I wanted to start off this year, and that is sort of uh, saying thank you to a handful of people. So the first person that I wanted to reach out to and just say thank you, kind of give them a shout out on the podcast, Rachel, is someone named Andrea, or maybe it's Andrea. Um I'm sorry if I can't remember how to pronounce her name exactly right, um, but this was like a super fan that I met at uh, Penn State when I did a presentation at Penn State. Uh, and you know, at the beginning of our presentations, now whether you and I are presenting together or separately, we talk about talking with tech as one of our projects that we're working on, and then we say, "Has anyone listened to Talking with Tech?" And this person, her, her, first of all, super enthusiastic, always participating, the first to volunteer, um, and said how much she listens to the show and how much she likes listening to the episodes. And I've been meaning to give her a shout out uh, for weeks now, but our banters have been um, busy and packed as we ran into the end of this, into the year. So here in the beginning of the new year, I just wanted to give her give her a shout out uh, for her enthusiasm, one in the presentation, but then listening to our to our podcast each and every week. I love our fans. I feel like there's no better fan than a Talking With Tech fan. <laughs> and I've had similar experiences with people who come up at conferences who reach out via email who send me messages on instagram and i feel like if someone's reaching out to me in some capacity they're always mentioning that they listen to the podcast and i feel like that's really exciting and also just like so great that we can make such an impact in people's you know lives and the work that they do so we're really excited every time we get a chance to meet a talking with tech fan Fantastic. I, I, I could not agree more. Now, so here's the other thing that I wanted to talk about, Rachel, and that is, um, again, a couple months ago, I was doing a presentation in Georgia, and this was for an educational technology conference, right? So more general ed focused. Um, and then, you know, I was doing my session where I talk about robots, you know, and then tying it in. And this session had a lot of general ed teachers in there. Um, and uh, before the session started, you know, like they had a nice overlap between the previous session and the next session. So people were coming in and sitting down and uh, I was just talking to people, you know, going around and chatting to people before the session started. And I sat next to, I sat down next to a woman to ask her, um, you know, she was, she had a question for me, like, what is this robots about and teaching language? Can you give me like, I read it, but I'm not really sure. And so I said, you know, well, it's, uh, we're going to make connections here between, you know, teaching uh, language for students who use augmentative communication. And she's like, well, what's that? And I was like, okay, well, this is a general ed conference, so I can understand that there might be people that haven't heard this. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you do, and then I'll see how I can make a connection. So here's what she said, Rachel. She was like, well, I work in a private school in Georgia, and um, for uh, students that are uh, not yet speaking, and they have um, uh, developmental delays, and I'm like, wait a second, wait a second, I'm sorry, you... You work in a private preschool? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for students that, that aren't talking yet. That's right. And you don't know what AAC is. And she's like, no, what's AAC? And it, 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 it sort of shook me for a second because it's a constant reminder that um, that you and I live in a bubble, you know, and many of the people li- listening to this podcast live in this bubble where I'm so certain there are so- certain con- concepts that are just mainstream now, you know, like 
core vocabulary, motor planning, aided language stimulation. I feel like Andrea, who I had mentioned before, right? And if I mentioned those things to her, she would have a great foundation of what those things are because she listens to the podcast and does her own research and is an active member of the community. Do you know what I mean? And then there's other people that are out there working in this space, working with students who um, have language uh, developmental delays or delays related to language, and they are not even keyed into what AAC, what the term AAC means. And it as a, a the reason I wanted to bring that up here in the in the kickoff episode of 2022 is a call to action to all of our listeners that we need to spread the word because I, I, I fooled myself, Rachel. I fooled myself into believing that, oh, people know this stuff now, but it's only still a small number of people that really know the basics when it comes to learning language with AAC. It's so true. I feel like I'm constantly in that bubble and it, it, it's a good reminder because I think we just assume people know. I did. The, I had a similar situation. I ended up connecting with a, a private school that has um, that focuses on uh, autistic students. And in order to go to this private school, you have to have a diagnosis of autism. And long story short, I was talking with the director, and I started talking about AAC, just assuming that like they would know what I'm talking about. And I had to take a step back and realize that they did not know what this was. And it was so interesting because again, I just made that assumption. I'm like, Oh, like school for kids with autism. Like this makes sense to me. Um, that they would know about AAC and long story short. And I ended up contracting with the school and of course we're introducing AAC to many of the students in the classrooms. Um, we're doing, you know, core boards and doing AAC assessments and all these things, but it's just, it really is a good reminder that we don't, we can't assume that people know all the things that we know. Um, which is, which is kind of unfortunate for the people who know a lot about AAC because they sit in conference presentations and they listen to us sometimes go over some of the basics. And it just feels like as a presenter, though, it, we have to make sure we're all starting from the same place. For sure. For sure. I uh, With this particular person, as I was sort of like kneeling down next to them chatting, uh, I, I sort of like, OK, well, maybe you just don't know what the term AAC is. Like you miss that. But you have students that use like, you know, those devices. And I always use the Stephen Hawk. I can't think of a better way to, to the most famous person who ever used AAC was Stephen Hawking. It's someone It's like, you know how he had a device that he used to to speak with? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, we have stuff like that. You do? Okay, great. What is it? Well, you know, like sometimes we show some pictures on a board. I'm like, okay, that's a start. You know, that's AAC. It certainly is. Uh, I said, uh, let me ask you this. Are you modeling? Like, you know, are you using those boards to show that was a foreign concept to this particular teacher? She's like, no, we never do that. We, because they never use that thing. You know, this is the same old thing. They never use the pieces of paper that we show them. So we don't, we, we have them, but we don't really use them. I'm like, well, are you using them? No, because the kids don't use them. Yeah, but they're not going to use them unless you show them. Like the, the whole conversation started and you could see her eyes opening up to like, oh, there's a lot here. There's a whole world here that I have not have yet to experience. It's like, yes, you and you're sort of in the right place because I'm going to start talking about some of these things in re- conjunction to robots. And this is an ed tech conference where I feel much more comfortable. Like what you were just saying, sometimes you feel a little bit like, 
Uh, man, do I go over these basics? Well, at a general ed tech conference, I feel completely comfortable going over those basics. They don't know what core vocabulary is for sure, you know. So she was definitely in the right room for learning this information. She had found herself uh, and took taken the, the, the proper steps to put herself in a place to learn this information. Um, it was just such a big eye-opening um, experience to me. And then the other big thing, Rachel, that she said to me that kind of stood out was she's like, yeah, and then when we do have those, we the kids aren't ready to handle that a lot. So we keep a lot of like uh, the, the cell sizes are really big and we only have like maybe eight to 12. And this is me teasing out questions from her, you know, like, so what do those pieces of paper look like? And she's like, well, maybe we have, you know, a bunch of words on there, which of course you can guess what were some of the words on there. You know, I bet you can guess. Uh, want. <laughs> no, maybe not even core vocabulary, probably like topic boards. <laughs> Ding, bing, exactly, exactly. Bingo, right? That's It's a bunch of uh, requesting nouns, you know, that she mm-hmm. said was there. And she's like, yeah, because our kids just wouldn't be able to handle all those words. And I was like, and you know that because you tried it? And she was like, well, no, we just know they couldn't handle it. I was like, what if I told you in other preschools, they do just the opposite and the kids do prove them wrong. And it's like, and in fact, I know a lot of those teachers and let me share some experiences. And suddenly it was like her eyes just completely got like wide eyed and like I real she had this realization come over her um, like oh, oh, there's a totally different way of doing this. It's like, yeah, yeah, you just took a uh, a big step into a larger world, you know, your first step into a larger world. <laughs> totally, totally. Wow, that's such an interesting story. I'm happy you shared that because I think it's a good constant reminder because I sometimes like will remember this and then I'll need to be re-reminded. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, I want to make it extremely clear why I wanted to bring it up here on the first episode of 2022 is that this has to be a goal um, for our podcast and for the listeners. If you think, if the listeners listening to this find value, and I'm sure they do because they keep coming back week after week, our our request, our, our plea is to share it. Uh, share the podcast, share some of those episodes where the old episodes where we talk about core vocabulary, what modeling is, and kind of go over those basics, sharing those episodes with um, uh, beyond our own walls is what we need to do if we're ever going to change the culture in 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 our country, that one we live in, uh, in around the world. It's got to be something that uh, uh, doesn't become stagnant. And we have to realize that um, we are living in a bubble of just a few people that understand what to do when it comes to learning language with AAC. There's a whole large larger world out there that we can never forget about that we have to keep um our our pedal to the metal i don't know what other metaphors can we come up with (laughs) pedal to the metal wow that's a throwback (laughs) love it love it chris i feel like i have another goal for 2022 can i share it it's a podcast goal please i don't know if we talked about this but i think it's pretty obvious because i'm all about increasing our subscribers for Talking With Tech. I feel like one way to actually get people to understand AAC is to actually share the podcast. We teach people all the time about what is AAC and we have some really fun plans for the new year about how we're going to maybe start organizing our content um, so that it helps people. But um, the best way to make sure that you support the podcast is by subscribing to the podcast on your iTunes, you know, player or whatever podcast platform you use. Um, you can simply search talking with tech and subscribe. So, you know, when we put out new episodes, um, and then if you enjoyed the podcast, we would love if you left us a review. That's how people actually find our podcast. You know how, when you go see a new podcast and you click on it, 
you start judging it based on how many reviews you see. If you see two reviews, you're like, oh, nobody likes this podcast. Even if it's a great podcast and you would totally love it if you listen to it, we have these judgments about, you know, whether or not a podcast is good or worth listening to based on things like reviews. And so that would be really helpful if our listeners who listen, who love us, who listen weekly, if you guys haven't left a review, we would love that. Um, so subscribe, leave a review. We'd love to see it. We'd love to read it on air. We're going to start reading all the reviews. I have a feeling they're just going to keep rolling in, Chris, so many that we're not even going to be able to read them all on air. That's my projection for 2022. There's going to be so much we're not even going to be able to keep up with it. Um, but yeah, we would love for you to do that for us. And then I guess maybe the last thing there is to share the podcast out on on different social media platforms. So if there is uh, a takeaway from the interview that you're about to hear in a few minutes, um, an aha moment, uh, take a second to reflect on that and share it out using Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, an email back to your colleagues uh, that work in general ed, that work in um, different fields. Spreading the word is what needs to happen if we're ever going to change that culture around AAC and learning language with AAC. I love it, Chris. I love it. If you're a super fan and you haven't joined our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com backslash talking with tech. It's, it's a collection of our super fans, Chris. <laughs> it's the people who love us more than anyone else. <laughs> and we have tons of content in there. We've been doing the Patreon for how long has it been? Is this coming up on two or three years? Uh, it's a number of years. I can't even remember so how years. long we've been doing it. There's a lot of backlog content. And in fact, I think that's something we can talk about in the future, Rachel. Maybe we'll tease that for a future episode is uh, one of our banters might be, how about we just read like the titles of some of our the content that's in Patreon? Because I feel like that's um, when people hear those titles, they'll be like, wow, they're missing out on some really good content. I know just here uh, leading into the end of 2021, um, I spent some time over on Patreon, like finding some resources and sharing them. And I know you've shared tons of resources over the year. So Patreon has lots of great content. Go check it out. And we'll promise to read some of the titles in a future banter. Love it. Love it. Chris, what's our episode today? So this is a two-part episode. Uh, the first part is obviously what's coming up right here next. And this is an interview someone did with me uh, talking about uh technology in general. And one of those things where someone reached out to me and I was like, hey, why don't we jump on a podcast recording? Do you mind recording? And we'll have this conversation. We'll record it. So without further ado, this is my interview with Kara Cotter. Are you enjoying this episode? We would love for you to take a few minutes to hit the subscribe button so you always know when we release new content. Even better, if you leave us a review on iTunes, then more people will find this podcast and learn about AAC. We also love reading your reviews on air. Thank you so much for your support. We love this community. Now we can head back into the episode. So welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet, and I'm here today with, now tell me, is it Kara or Kara? Kara. Kara. Kara Cotter. Am I saying it right? You got it. All right, Kara. So what brings you to Talking With Tech today? So I am um, new to the world of AAC and assistive technology. And um, I... Am... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> So um, I'm the assistive technology specialist for my ISD. So um, 
previously in the district, um, we were doing more of a model where um, the assistive technology specialists would go in and they would look at the kid and they would pull them individually and work with them and do definitely some consulting with teachers and staff. But I'm really hoping to move more towards a coaching model. And I know that can feel like a lot for staff um, when they're already so busy and are used to um, pulling, you know, that AAC stuff is kind of the job of the AAC specialist Mm -hmm. in their mind. So I'm wondering how I can present the coaching model and implement the coaching model with um, busy teachers and staff without it feeling too overwhelming. Too overwhelming. Let me ask some some clarifying questions. First, you mentioned that first, congratulations on the new job, right? (laughs) um, And welcome to the the whole shebang here. Um, You mentioned AT and you mentioned AAC. Can you define your role a little bit more? Is it um, both? Is it like if a student had, I don't know, um, I mean writing and was there was uh, goals for writing and people were sort of stuck would they contact you or do you specifically work with AAC it's both so by training um, I'm a speech pathologist and so I have that background in speech and so that that is a lot of my job Um, people contact me when the SLP isn't super comfortable using AAC at the school or the teacher feels like they need help or if they just have a student that they think needs an evaluation. So I'll go in and do that. But I also do the AT side. So if a student is struggling with writing, reading, math, whatever, they'll also reach out to me for that. But AAC is my passion. Did you get the sense that your predecessor did a sort of a pullout evaluation model, no matter the situation, or was it just AAC? Like, was there ever any precedent set for like having a conversation with the teachers to brainstorm solutions? Definitely, they would do that, um, but it was there wasn't a ton of standardization almost, you know, everything was a little bit different. The woman who came before me was absolutely amazing. And she was so good at her job that it didn't need to be structured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Someone has experience. They just sort of um, live it and breathe it. Right. And there's not necessarily a, a structured formula. They just, they're just so good at it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so do you, when you, when you're asking about, um, uh, how to how to move forward here? Are you thinking from the larger AT perspective, or are you really asking? No, just AAC is where I, you know, uh, I want to focus. Well, I know that this podcast focuses around AAC, but really, it's for everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I actually think that the they overlap quite a bit. Do you know what I mean? That um, AAC and the larger world of assistive technology, the protocol maybe to to move forward is the same no matter what the situation is. It's essentially the team that is stuck and they need help. And so, how do you get them the help they need? Is that fair? Exactly. Yeah. Um, let me ask. What does your contact look like meaning okay so a team is stuck how do they how do they get you involved so um it's a process that's sort of evolving and it feels like it's different from team to team and it's something that i would like to standardize which is part of what i'm talking to you today um but right now um somebody will reach out to me like hey there's a kid in this district um we're not quite sure what to do with them can you come take a look And at that point, you know, we'll do an evaluation, uh, read is opened, go to the IEP, talk to the IEP team, and then I'll go into the classroom and train the kid on their technology. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like, so someone just emails you and there's not necessarily like an intake form or like a, like I said, a Google form that they fill out and it comes to you. It's just an email and you go, okay, let me get involved. Is that You would not sense? believe the number of emails I receive every day. <laughs> I'm sure. And, um, it sounds like the process is pretty similar, no matter what, like, no matter the situation that you, you will go out, uh, observe the student, potentially pull the student and do, or do some sort of work directly with the student and inter- interview the, the team. Is that all sound fair? Mm-hmm. And then you'll write it up in some way and then they will what, maybe agree on, yeah, we should try and implement this. And then can you come back out and teach us what we need to know? Yes, um, but it's not more so, can you come back out and teach us what you need to know? A lot of times it's, can you come back out and work with the students so they can learn this? Ah, Which, can you teach the student directly how to do it? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, how do you feel about that? I feel like, well, like, just looking in your eyes, I feel like you have thoughts about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely want to move more towards the coaching model because I feel like the biggest problem that I see just over and over and over again is buy-in from the staff buy-in from the families. And I feel like the only way that I can improve buy-in is if I involve them in the process more. I can work with this kid on this device all the time and it's never going to get picked up. The other people who are actually in the building all day don't know how to use it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, here's a, a little thought there is that you said you work for one ISD. Is that correct? So mm-hmm. that's like an ISD would be a school district, right? Um, and how many schools can I ask you uh, like roughly you would cover? Um, I think right now I'm going to around 10, but there's more in the district that I could go to if I was called upon. Gotcha. If, uh, if that email came, you would go <laughs> to, to more than that. What's the, what's the max? What are you looking at? There's like 20 schools. Um, I'll park it. It's not. I think there's about uh, 20 schools. Okay. Roughly 20 schools. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, do you know if the technology is standardized, if some technology is standardized across all of the schools, meaning everyone gets Chromebooks, do you know what I mean? Or everybody gets iPads or whatever. Is there certain tools like that, that we would call um, tier one tools that are just available to everybody? There are not. They're different between schools. There's some schools who have one-to-one with Chromebooks. I see a lot of schools that are one-to-one with Chromebooks. Um, There's some schools that some iPads are available at. There's some schools where they're still working off that like old library cart of laptops, you know, that like only work when you plug them in a certain way. Yeah, I know that cart. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, that makes your your job a little more challenging, I think, because um, finding those tier one supports is, um, is always a good place to start because then students can start teaching each other. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, hey, this is what I use. Do you have access to that? And I guess that's still a, a, a place to start for every individual school, like what's available to everybody, um, because that could save a lot of those one-off um, um, evaluations that you're doing is like, well, yeah. here's sort of a tier of things that are available. Uh, it's like the old teacher strategy of um, ask three before me, you know, like, did you ask a friend? Did you Google it? Did you, or whatever, you know, did you look it up in the book and then come to me with a question? And I, I feel like that might be something that would be worthwhile in each of those schools is like, well, what are our tier one supports that's available so that you would know, like, okay, let me go try these strategies first. What do, mm-hmm. what do you think about that sort of um uh, approach? And do you think, what do you think about the practicality of that? 
I think that's great. I actually just went into a classroom earlier this week where I was working with a student on co-writer. And as I was in there, the teacher was like, hey, I think that everybody in this class could benefit from co-writer. And I'm like, awesome. Like, you don't need me for that. You can just do that. And I can help you if you want me to come in and train you on how to best implement co-writer with your students. But you can just go ahead and do that. Yeah. And that nails it because the next time that particular teacher has any students that are that might use word prediction, um, now we got it, right? I mean, that's that person knows. And beyond that, capacity building wise, that teacher will spread that word in, in uh, um, lounge conversations, Friday night, Friday night after work professional development sessions, you know, at uh, those establishments that people go to sometimes, it'll be like, wow, well, you know, what we used, we used this co-writer thing with word prediction. Oh, really? What's that? And it spreads that way. And you've all you've had to do was like, plant one little seed. <laughs> I've been kind of thinking, you know, there's a lot of kids across districts that use a lot of the same tools. So maybe they don't have everyone as Chromebooks or whatever, but they um, like co-writer is super common. Um, Snap and read super common. Um, and then as far as AAC goes, touch chat is used widely across our districts. So I was wondering if it might be a good idea to make like a, a sort of Google form email list where if you have students on one of those, so like say it's co-writer, then you can sign up for this email list. And then every month I can send out an automated email that's like checking in with some um, tools on how to implement it in the classroom and some training videos, and then always an offer for if there's questions underneath. What do you think would happen if you did that? I think that there would be less people that I would have to go out and see and more people who could reach those tools and maybe who are reminded that they're supposed to be using those tools also. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it sounds like a win. Um, <laughs> let's take it to the specific AAC question there or really coaching them now the through it. Like, cause that was really the, the, the crux of your question is like, how do I find time to coach everybody? And so, how do I present it to the teachers in a way that's not like, yeah, I'm not going to work with this kid anymore, but can I come in for like a few hours? Cause sometimes that feels like a lot mm -hmm. and work with you as opposed to the kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let me ask this, what does professional development look like again in the ISD in, in general? Is that also sort of all over the place or is there a, a, a one particular system that you use that, uh, uh, is, that manage credits? Like what's a picture of what professional learning looks like for, for that ISD? I wish that I had a better answer for you about what PD looks like in the district, but um, it is a little bit, it's not all over the place, but it is more specialized to people who need it. So there's not like specific days that we're doing PD, but like they'll bring in a speaker for the speech pathologists and, you know, if it's relevant to them, they'll come. But again, I'm still learning the system. What do you think would motivate teachers to want to participate in a, in a switch like that, where it's you less time with the student and more time with them? What do you think would motivate them to do that? Well, I know that every teacher just wants their students to be able to learn. You know, I know every teacher has the student's best interest at heart. I think that it might be motivating for them because I think part of the reason they're not using it right now is because it's overwhelming for them. And so, yeah, I'm having a little bit of trouble with that. That's probably... Mm -hmm. Part of my question. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and that's specific to the AAC more so than, uh, let's say, other like co-writer or snap and read or those those sorts of um, literacy tools. I would say for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So they're just having trouble kind of wrapping their brains around the whole experience. Yes. Like I have a lot of kids, especially who are using AAC as more of the augmentative rather than the alternative part of communication where they're verbal and use it for communication breakdowns and things like that. And so I think teachers especially are confused how to implement that into the classroom. And so a lot of times for the kids who are primarily verbal, but really, really do need it, you know, on an hourly basis for communication breakdowns it's easier for them to just not use the AAC device and then to just like guess at what the the student is saying. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me ask. So when I think of professional learning, I really put it into two categories. There's sort of awareness level knowledge, like, like watching a video and now I kind of know the content because I watched the video. And then there's the second part of that, which is the, the skill building part of professional learning. Like, so I conceptually, I understand it because I watched the video, but now I got to practice it and and know it. What Mm -hmm. is that awareness level training sort of look like? If is, is it something that, uh, yeah, I could provide something after school or uh, how would that look to you to provide awareness level training? I mean, awareness level professional learning experiences. I mean, my dream would be able to go into the classroom and watch them do a lesson and then to coach them through afterwards, like, hey, how could we have integrated some modeling into this? How do you think that we could have provided more opportunities for our AAC user to participate? Um, I think that it's hard to ask teachers too much to stay before or after school, um, especially in the pandemic era when there's already so many other things going on that I would love to just integrate as smoothly as I can into their classroom so that it feels to them that it would be that easy to integrate it without me there. Do you feel like most of the teachers, or do you have any data to support this, this statement I'm about to make, that most teachers do have an awareness level of, uh, here we go, rattle them off, core vocabulary, uh, modeling, aided language stimulation, or um, augmented partner augmented input, uh, descriptive teaching, um, motor planning, keeping the words in the same spot. Do you feel like they have good awareness level knowledge of that sort of content? I think that that's an area where we can definitely improve. Um, I think that a lot of them have heard the words floating around, but when it comes to putting it into practice, it gets a little bit fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so with that in mind, is there a way to make that more a consistent experience for everybody? You're like, everybody's on the same page because we all know this content as opposed to what it sounded like there was, if, I, if I'm if I'm summarizing correctly, is that people have splinter skills. Like they know some of it, they've heard of it. So it's sort of, people can't see what I'm doing right now, but I'm raising my finger up and down. You got these hills and valleys and people are all over the place. Is there a way to make that more consistent for everybody? I think that across the district or across um, teachers who have students who use these devices? Well, that's an excellent question back to me. And I would say uh, first with the people that have devices and then later on across like, yeah, everybody, you know, like so that the general ed staff know all that stuff too, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when they have a student that comes in, they won't be so unfamiliar with what's going on. Yeah. So what I am trying to do right now is make a plan so that when a teacher reaches out to me about a student 
or an SLP reaches out to me about a student that it'll trigger a meeting with um, me the, and the staff. So uh, the teacher, SLP, paras, OT, anybody who is able to come to the meeting. And then we can talk about it generally where I can give some examples of all of those things, make sure that they have a working knowledge of it. And then I can pop into the classroom to show it to them in action. That's my current plan, but I don't know how it would work yet because I haven't done it yet. Um, in the same way that we were talking about, so I, I have an I wonder. Um, I wonder if um, the strategy that we talked about earlier about the broader scope of, of AT and putting some sort of um, looking at the tier one supports, these are the things that everybody has available and try these first. Look at this list of things to try first and then contact me. I, what do you think that would that would result in if it was for AAC as well? Like I have a student that that has AAC, that means you take the 101 course, you know, or the, that, that instead of it immediately triggering something that, that gets you involved, it, it triggers off a professional learning experience that eventually leads to you getting involved, but gets some of that precursor knowledge to them. Um, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I um, mean, what do you think that would look like? I think it could look like, I mean, even what we were talking about with co-writer earlier, you know, signing up for a Google form and a, and a mailing list. And so that every, every month, um, you know, there's a, maybe for the first time, there could be a general overview of AAC and it's like vocabulary that needs to know, but maybe every month on like the, the first of the month, it could send out an email that talks about a different strategy. So it could talk about aided, aided language input. It could talk about modeling, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a fantastic idea. What you, I think you might happen there is that um, over time you'd build this library of of like it's sort of like a blog. You'd have this long, uh, huge blog of all these different strategies. And I can tell you from experience with the the Talking with Tech podcast is that now we have three year backlog of of um, content and it. For people who are just starting, it's like, well, where do I start? Do I start with the latest episode? They're using all sorts of jargon. I don't know. Um, <laughs> do I start with the first episode? Well, I do have some. So there's this sort of wrestling with how do I manage the content? So I sort of wonder, again, and I wonder for you is, is there a consistent, this goes back to that professional learning uh, platform, or uh, is there a system that like, everyone uses Google Classroom, or we have uh, Canva, or... Um, uh, or I guess it's canvas. Do we have canvas or is there some, some place you could say like, all right, you got it. Congratulations. You have a student that's using AAC. You are entered into this experience and it's a, like a course that they take. And then on top of that, you also get the blog. Like you, you also get the newsletter. Yeah. I actually did a version of that this year at the beginning of the year. Um, I found all of the teachers of my parents were AAC or I found all of the emails of the teachers who have AAC users in their classes. And I sent them an email that's like, hey, the students in your class, I'm the assistive technology specialist. Um, here are some things you need to know. And if you follow this link, it'll bring you to a Google Drive folder that has some resources on AAC. So I did do that. Um, I did not really hear any feedback on it. So I don't know how well it worked, but I thought it was a neat idea. <laughs> Can you describe a little bit what's in that folder? Yeah, actually, let me um, open the folder real quick. It'll be a little easier for me to, to do it that way. 
Um, because it was the first time I did it, I wanted to keep it relatively simple for my teachers, especially the ones who I didn't believe had had AAC units in AAC users. I have had a long day of work, especially the ones who have not had AAC users in their classes before. So I had... Um, a staff training PowerPoint that you made. <laughs> I had the all about AAC PowerPoint. Um, I had uh, AAC modeling in the classroom. And this was a document that I created that goes over what AAC modeling and aided language input was, um, some recommended videos, some recommended reading. Um, and then I had another page on it that said, how can I implement it in the classroom? And then I explained how to do group lessons. I shared some recommended videos of how uh, it might look like in the classroom. And then a picture example and some um, individual lessons. And then I also had... Um, how a flyer on how to make a more AAC friendly classroom environment and a PDF of what are core words. Gotcha. Okay. So that doesn't sound too overwhelming, like of going into a Google drive folder and looking on, and sometimes I've seen Google drive folders like, well, here, I'm going to give you access to our, my AAC folder. And it's like <laughs> this, this waterfall and someone just feels like they're, 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 they're drowning in resources and they don't know where to start. Do you have that organized in a way that it's like, step one, read this first, step two, learn this, step three, watch this PDF, you know? Um, is it organized in a way that it's someone who's brand new could follow it uh, systematically? Yeah, I actually just have them in the folder, these different documents. So that'd be a great idea to do like a, a little bit of a, a guide. A welcome. Here we go. This is how we should start. Let me ask you this too. If they consumed all of it, right? How long do you think it would take to consume all of it? Again, ballpark it because some people will be a lot faster and some people a lot slower, but what do you think? I think to read it and fully understand it, it would take probably an hour and a half. Hour and a half. So I wonder if that's something that would be intriguing to people is I get an hour and a half worth of relicensure credit. Um, I'm going to be spending professional learning time, learning a new strategy and skill. Um, yes, you said I'm motivated because I want to help my kids, but also my own kids have soccer practice and I'm, exa I'm exhausted at the end of the day. And when am I going to find the time to do an hour and a half just of this, let alone, that's just the content knowledge, let alone the coaching that might come afterwards. Mm -hmm. But one something I know I have to do because it's on my list is get my professional learning credits in for my relicensure because I have to do that. I wonder if participating in this, if they could get credits. That would be fantastic. I think that would definitely be really motivating to teachers because um, I know that they uh, want to look at these things. You know, they have so many kids in their class. It's hard to pull out time for it. So if it's something they already have to do and it would help a kid in their class, I think that would be super motivating and a great way to get people on board. Um, do the teachers, so you said like touch chat is sort of popular in that, in that particular ISD. And um, so let's say a student has an iPad with touch chat on it, right? Does the teacher have an iPad with touch chat on it? Do they have some sort of tool that they could use to model with? Sometimes they do. And sometimes they don't. And that's something that's like getting a little bit tricky because we do have a lending library, 
Um, but there's only so many iPads that we have to lend out. And a lot of times we'll have to pull them from teachers to give them to a student who might need it. Yeah. Um, and so that's something I've been trying to work around. I've been considering um, printing out like large AAC posters, uh, core boards, um, so that they can model while they teach. Um, but I'm really a little bit stuck on that one as well. I wish that I could give every teacher a device. That'd be incredible. Yeah. So I wonder if a strategy would be to, um, if you were able to get those iPads um, from that, from those funds, then it would be something like, oh, and you sign up for this experience and you get an iPad. Or even now, it's you sign up for this experience, even if you um, don't have them right now, you could say, and you get an iPad for three months. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or something like that. Or I can, even if it's not already have an iPad, maybe I can push an app to you or some sort of, um, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be tied that way. It would, in a, an ideal world, please, I, I want anyone listening to, ideal world, you just get it right. But, but in this case, maybe that's a, it, that would help also incentivize people. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>